Well, when I was originally asked to, to preach on this message uh, on uh, praying with faith, it was a great joy to me because I love faith. Because God says, nothing pleases me but faith. And who wants to please the Lord with their faith? And who knows in James 5.16 that it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, that it's dynamic in its working. Who wants powerful prayers? Who wants to see their lives transformed through prayer? Who wants to see the kingdom of God and Kensington Temple advanced through powerful prayers? You know, I love reading autobiographies, and I believe I was reading on Billy Graham. I've read so many now, but he stated that somebody asked him, if you were to live your life again, what would you advise us in your journey? And he said, Three points. Pray, pray, pray. So I discerned from that that I'd better start to learn to pray. And I've experienced firsthand in my life the power of prayer. I know a story of Charles Spurgeon and a few stu- students were walking past his church one day and they're intrigued what was going on inside. And a man came up to them and he said, come, why, why didn't you come on into my church and, uh, and have a look around? So they came in and he, uh, he said, come down to the, to, to, the, to the cellar room. And he took them down to the cellar room. And they saw there, on their knees, 700 people praying. And he said, this is the engine room of the church. This is where the power comes from. So we see that James 5, 6 states, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It's dynamic in its working. And let's turn to 1 Kings 18, 36. And let's see some of that faith and let's see some of that power in action firsthand. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again." Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Why don't you bow your heads as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your infallible, inerrant, and inspired word. Father, I thank you for the blueprints that you've given us in the Old Testament, that now, under the new covenant, we may live by it. Heavenly Father, I pray that we'll grow to a greater level of faith here this afternoon. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we will have a greater wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. 
our true right standing in you, Father. Greater knowledge of your promises. Greater insight into your word. That we may stand on this. And that we may pray prayers that change situations. Prayers that change our circumstances. Prayers that shake the mountains. Prayers that advance your kingdom for your good and for your glory. Holy Spirit, I pray, descend upon us. I put myself behind the altar this afternoon, Lord, and I pray that you will speak only what you desire to be spoken. Anything that's spoken of in the flesh, may it fall to the ground and die. But all that's spoken in the Spirit, Father, may it fall upon hearts that are open and minds that are receptive to hear your infallible, powerful word. We love you, Lord Jesus. Come and have your way and will in this place. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, who knows that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Do you know, I love studying the Old Testament because I see great pearls there. I see such natural parallels that are evident here in the spiritual realm. And one of the studies that I love so much is the blueprint and template of the tabernacle of Moses. Do you know it said that self-insight is the epitome of wisdom? And to know ourselves, I believe, is one of the keys to effective, powerful prayer. It's like a motor vehicle. It's like a rally car. If we want to get the best out of it, we have to know the intricacies of it, how it operates, how it functions. We have to know its tolerances in the tires. We have to know what fuel to put in and what fuel will optimize the best performance of that vehicle so it can run its race and it can run its race to win. Who wants to run a strong race here? Who wants to run a race so they can win? I believe one of those keys is through prayer. I came, I'm, I'm setting the foundations here to, 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 to where I learned some of these key principles so we can launch off um, into our prayer. And I had a great revelation when I was out in life on my journey with God. And who can relate to me here with the scripture and Apostle Paul in Romans 7, Romans 7 15, where it states, I do not understand what I do. For what I do, for I do what I, what I don't want to do, but why do I do the things that I hate to do? And that was a phase of my life that I was in. I was frustrated. I was angry. I'd given my life to God. I was earnestly praying. But still, there was a pull in my life. Still, the things that I didn't desire to do, I was still doing. And it was grieving my spirit. I wasn't living in the full righteousness of Christ. And it was hindering me in my walk. And I'm a very visual person. And God speaks to me a lot through pictures and through images. He speaks to me a lot through dreams. And some of the images and dreams he's given me have literally saved my life. 
And I was praying about this. And I walked one day, and I was praying, earnestly desiring to break through for the sin that was ensnaring me in my life because I was grieving my Heavenly Father. And I wanted to live in the fullness of all what he had me. And it was hindering me. And as I was praying, in my frustration, God clearly gave me a picture. He gave me a picture of three boxes. They looked like boxes side by side. And in those boxes, in the first box was written body, in the second was soul, and in the third was spirit. And I went away and said, what is this? I went away and I started to do a Bible study. Okay, let's start with body. And I started to learn everything about the body and about the flesh. I then went and continued on and I did a study on the soul. Teach me more about the soul, Holy Spirit. And then I learned all about the spirit. I learned about the world system and the effect it has on operating through the body, how it intoxicates our mind, and then our actions follow suit. But then I learned about the things of the spirit and the things of God, and that our spirits are alive to him, and in there dwells all the power of the Holy Spirit. I then went away to my brother, who was much further on in the Lord from, uh, than me, and a great mentor to me in my life. And I was always very excited with the revelation that God always gave me. And I sat down on the sofa with him. I said, Paul, God gave me this picture. Isn't this incredible? And I've been doing a study on it, and it's really revealing to me so much truth. And as I sat down, he smiled. And he said, do you know what, Chris? It looks like you've drawn a picture there of the tabernacle of Moses. I said, well, really? What's the tabernacle? He said, well, let me show you. He got it up in his Bible, and he got on the internet, and he showed me a picture of the tabernacle. And he said, look, in fact, I've got an image for you. Can we put the image on the screen, please? There we go. So, as he showed me this image, I saw the three boxes that God showed me. And we see at the base here, we have the outer court, which is significant to our bodies. And then we move up into the second box that he showed me, and he showed me the soul, which is significant and represents the holy place. And then we see the spirit, which signifies the holies of holies. And it is there in the holy holies where we must live as newborn believers. It's there that we must live to have victory in our lives and to have faith-filled prayers. In Hebrews 8.5, it relates and, and tells us that the tabernacle provides an example and a shadow and pattern of heavenly realities. And this is what God was showing me. Do you know that God owns our spirit? When we gave our lives to God, he owns our spirit. And you know that we are spirit. We have a body. Wrong. We live in a body, but we have a soul. So we are spirit. We live in a body, but we have a soul. And our bodies 
because they were created from the dust through sin, they always want to rebel against the things of God. Who knows, your flesh is always wanting to rebel against the things of God. Because we're created from the fall. But in our spirits, which are renewed, is where the victory is. And we have to fight the good fight of faith to draw ourselves from our souls to live in our spirits where the victory is. And it's which one that we yield to will determine in life the difference between victory or defeat. If we, re- if we live according to our unrenewed m- mind and according to the world system through our flesh, then we are going to live in defeat. But we need to live according to the spirit. That is where the victory will lie. And the pivotal point in the middle of that is our soul. Whichever one we yield to is whichever one we will in turn fall into and then have corresponding action. So we need to shut up our bodies. We need to shut up our flesh. And we need to make our spirits loud. That's what we need to do. We need to identify with God who dwells in us. And this is the key to faith-filled prayers. Do you know, I was, I saw the power of this early on and the revelation of what God had showed me. I'd done an in-depth study from what God had showed me initially. He got me kick-started to beginning to do a great study. And I've studied this ever since God gave me the revelation. And that was over seven years ago now. I believe this is a pivotal key to us living in victory. And I went into my church, my old church, and a gentleman, a young man, walked in to the church. And the moment I laid my eyes on him, I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me, Chris, go and speak to that man. He looked defeated in life. And I knew what was happening because God had given me so much revelation on the blueprint of how we were made up. And I walked over to him and I said, hey, welcome to the church. It's great to see you. And he said, oh, it's good. We were similar age. And he said, oh, do you fancy going for a, for a coffee? He said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So we went to Café Rouge, I think it was, and we sat down and we had a nice coffee. And I remember him. Um, I started to share a little bit about his life and a little bit about his journey. He was getting beaten up in life, not, not literally, but, but spiritually. He was just defeated, and my heart went out to him because I thought, these are the basic truths that God has taught me that I know can set so many people free. And I said, can I share something with you that I believe will really help you to set you free and to start living in the place of victory? He said, yes, please do, please do. So I asked the waitress to bring over a scrap bit of paper from the, from, from the till, and I started to share with him the picture God gave me and then all that I'd learned from it. As I started to share it with him and I started to speak it through, he started to growl. And I thought, well, this is very, very strange and probably actually quite rude, actually, in a restaurant to be, to be growling with, with everyone around. And I felt a little bit embarrassed and I looked around, but I carried on sharing with him and the growl started to become heavier. And he started to get quite aggressive towards me. And then the penny dropped I knew what was happening. I felt the presence of God around me. 
And whatever was in him started to get a little bit agitated about these truths that I was beginning to share. And I thought, oh, someone doesn't like this teaching very much. Somebody's going to be released from the hands of the devil and into the hands of the living God very shortly. The enemy's going to be released and God is going to have the fullness of this man's life. And as I shared it more, I just stopped and I put my pen down and I looked at him and I said, you don't like me very much, do you? He looked me in the eyes, eyes wide open like saucers. And he said, I'm so sorry, Chris, but something inside me hates you. It hates you. It wants to kill you. I went, oh, well, that's good. I knew that it can't touch me. We got the spirit of God in us. I felt the presence all over me. It was going to go nowhere near my dwelling. I said, come on, let's go for a walk. I want to help you. We went into my car and I took a drive with him and I kept on ministering the word of God to him. And I had to pray at this stage because I thought I'm in a confined space right now with this guy. And he wasn't that a small guy. He was quite a, he was training to go into the Royal Marines at the time. So he was quite fit and healthy and strong, do you know? And I prayed and I prayed and we eventually got that devil cast out of him and he was set free. But I realized here now that what God had shown me was a key to so much stuff. And as I look at the furnishings of the tabernacle, I can see that it's a great blueprint for us to follow in our prayers. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to walk through some of these furnishings and share with you how it can tremendously help us in our prayer lives and ultimately for us to live in victory and pray those faith-filled prayers. Is that good? So we start off. There we are, we're in the outer courts, we're in our body, but we desire nothing more than to get into the spirit, where the victory is, amen? And we're going to the brazen altar. Now the brazen altar signifies Christ. It's where they used to make sacrifices of the animals. But who knows that Christ has done one sacrifice for all on that cross, And it's here at that point where we look to Christ. Jesus Christ has died for us. And when we gave our lives to him, by grace, through faith, you are saved. We are there in Christ Jesus. And as we come to the brazen altar in our prayers, we remember that Christ died for us. No matter what the enemy is trying to throw at us, we are victorious. We are in Christ Jesus, and we need to renew our minds to that fact. So we walk through Christ. We are the righteousness in him. And as you know, in my beginning prayer, my core prayer was the prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. So we are the righteousness. That is the foundation to which we launch off into our prayers. Now, in Corinthians 521, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. And the great John Bunyan, he said, prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin would entice a man to cease from prayer. The enemy is always trying to condemn us and remind us of our failures. 
He's trying to nullify us and he's trying to quench our power in prayer. But we know we're the righteousness in Christ and we move through the brazen altar and we go to the laver. And the laver is where the, 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 the high priest, once a year for the sacrifice of sins, he came and washed himself, his feet and his hands. But as we know, we've been washed clean by the blood of Christ. So this is where we renew our minds. We wash our minds with the living waters of our Heavenly Father, of what Christ has done for us. Our sins have been atoned by Christ, and it is at the labor that we have the opportunity to wash ourselves and to renew our minds. God's word is the cleansing water. We wash away anything and everything that is grieving us, that is grieving the Holy Spirit. Do you know God never departs from us? But we draw back from God through sin, through quenching the Holy Spirit, through gossip, through bitterness, through offense. We grieve the Holy Spirit. And it hinders us because the enemy wants to make us sin conscious. He wants to condemn us. And that's why Christ says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we wash our minds to these truths. And this is an opportunity here that we can wash away our sin. Sometimes we do fall short of the mark. And we do mess up. But do you know what? Jesus died for us. And we have, the, the word says that confess your sins to one another. We must confess our, confess our sins to God. But we must confess our sins to one another as well. Before you come to the altar to give of your gift. Go make right with the person you have offended, it says. And here's a great opportunity to do that. Why do we need to do that? So we're freer and we're more loose to advance up and get ourselves into our spirits. Because these would be obstacles that would hinder us. And they'll keep us in our soul. They'll keep us in our flesh. They'll keep us condemned. But we wash ourselves clean with the blood of Jesus. And we lift it up to him. We forgive and we forget. And we move on. And we move on into the holy place. Now in the holy place, this is where we're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the reading of the word of God, and by the Holy Spirit shedding light on his truths. So we go over, and in John 16, 12 it says, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as helper. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. However, he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. When we come into the Holy Holies, what we come to there on the left-hand side is the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand signifies and represents the Holy Spirit. And it's here the Holy Spirit brings light to the word of God. He is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. He shows us the things that we need to pray he enlightens everything in our life and he enlightens everything that he wants you to do in your life. 
so that we can pray accurate, Holy Spirit-led prayers. We go over to the right-hand side there, and we've got the table of shewbread. The table of shewbread is significant and represents the word of God. The showbread is the rock of revelation knowledge that we stand on in our prayers. And it's from that that we can launch ourselves. It's the word of God. His word is his will. And in his word is his promises. The word, though, needs to become rhema. What do I mean by that? Well, the logos is the written word of God but we need it to become the rhema word of God. We need it to become a rhema word in our life. We need it to become alive to us. Yonggi Cho, I like what he says as a, as a brief way of articulating this. He said, the Logos word is like rice, but we need the Holy Spirit to cook the rice. And here we have the golden lampstand side by side by the table of shoe bread and they work in partnership. I can see here the early starts of the Holy Trinity working as a partnership and in unity with each other. We've got the Holy Spirit, and we've got the Word of God. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He is the revealer of all truth. So we have the shewbread. And we know that faith, because we're talking about praying with faith, we know that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. This is where we hear the word of God. This is where we stir ourselves up in the most holy faith. And this is where we remember everything that Christ has done for us. And he, give us, he gives us the words and he gives us the promises to which to stand of. And his promises are his will. So we need to pray in line with God's will for our prayers to be powerful and our prayers to be effective. And the story of Peter, to articulate a little bit more of a rhema word, the disciples have spent all their time with Christ and they knew he was Jesus. They knew he was the promised one to come. They had this understanding, but had they really grasped at this stage that he was the Christ. He was the incarnate Christ. And in Matthew 16, 15, he said to them, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. At that point, it became a rhema word to Peter. He knew that he was the Son of God. The Logos became rhema. And it's upon the rhema, and I'll touch on that a little bit further on when we get into the Holy Holies, is the word that we need to stand on in our lives. And it's what God has spoken to you in your life personally as well. This is why we need a deep relationship with Christ. Because he will speak words directly into your spirit that will become rhema. He has given you prophecies. He has given you promises. 
in your life, the things you'll do and things that you'll achieve. And you need to stand on those and you need to believe them and pray into them and they will be a rhema word to you. It's though they, that word will be an anchor unto your soul, into your life. No matter what you're going through, you'll anchor those promises to your, to your spirit and they'll hold you steadfast. When you go through trials, when you go through difficulties, you'll know the rhema word that was spoken to you and you'll hold tight onto it. And no matter what the enemy throws at you, you'll have strength to persevere because you'll know without, you'll know with all your heart that, that is what God has spoken to you. So we've got the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We've got the, the word of God, a type and shadow of Christ and his, his word that we have, the word of God to which we stand on. It is our rock to launch ourselves off into our prayers. And we go on up to the, the golden altar of incense. And the golden altar of incense is our prayers that go up to him, is, is, is our worship unto the Lord. The golden lampstand is the light of the Holy Spirit and it shines on the table of showbread, the word of God, and it becomes rhema. That's the golden lampstand, sorry, the altar of incense. It's here that it says the true worshippers worship him in spirit and in truth. I had a tremendous revelation of this myself and my journey and I want to share with you a little bit about how we bring all these together now and how they can become tangible realities in your journey wherever you are in life. And this really transformed me as well, this experience. I was on holiday. I was on uh, two weeks leave uh, from the military. It was summer holidays and I was out on my motorbike. I loved just getting out on my motorbike with God. I was with a friend and... Rather illegally, I apologise, Lord, but I had my headphones on, listening to my worship music on full blast, and I was worshipping God, I was praising God. Beforehand, I'd had a message on, I was listening to the word of God, I was stirring myself up with his word, with the bread of life. I was there worshipping him there at the altar of incense. I was there with the golden lampstand and the Holy Spirit he was revealing things unto me and I was speaking and I was just stirring up my faith. And as I came along on my motorbike, I went off to go to the turning down to head towards the coast. And as I turned in, right beside me on the right-hand side of the road, I saw a car stopped in the middle of the road. And directly opposite me, I glanced over and I saw a baby on the boot of the car, just in its nappy very young and there was a man in a green uniform leant over the baby giving it mouth to mouth resuscitation I then saw a lady running up and down a busy road screaming and shouting on our mobile phone the mother of the child and because I turned in and I was trained in first aid and things I thought hey I'll, you know I'll stop over and see what I could do but you know because I saw a man in a green uniform there giving mouth to mouth I presumed, well, the ambulance is already here and there's not too much I, I can do. There's a professional trained ambulanceman there. But what a tragedy. And my heart really went out at that point. 
And as I turned in the corner of my motorbike, I drove past it on my side, and I went to continue on in my journey. But the Holy Spirit stopped me, and he just spoke these words. Chris, he has not got the authority. As he spoke those words to me, something possessed me. Something overcame me. I pulled my motorbike on the side, I put the stand down, and everything seemed to have gone into a haze at this stage. I took off my helmet, I put it down, I didn't even know where I put my helmet. And I just walked down towards the child, and there was two people either side of the child. One was giving one mouth to mouth, and the other guy was just in despair, thinking, what on earth do we do? There's a baby here, its lips have gone blue, it's as white as a ghost. And I thought, what on earth has happened? But I just felt the presence and the power of God saturate me at that moment. I just walked in between the two men. I didn't have a clue what to do. Something was just overtaking me. I grabbed the baby by the legs and I just began to pray in tongues. Just pray in tongues. I didn't know what else to do. I just prayed and I just prayed. I felt the glory of God on me, but I thought, what do I do? The mother was running up and down, hysterically up on the road, on her mobile phone, trying to give directions to the ambulance. The medics were calling to her, speaking to her on the phone. The father was there trying to give mouth to mouth, give directions of what to do to this child. And I just closed my eyes, held onto the baby's legs, and I went, in the name of Jesus. It's very strange and it's hard to articulate, but at that moment I felt as if I blanked out. But when I came around, which seemed a second later, I looked up and I saw the baby crying, alive, in the arms of the father. Now, I'm not saying here, because I've got no evidence whatsoever to substantiate it, my friend was there with me, whether I brought that baby back to life or not. But what I do know, what I know in my heart, was I got a great revelation there of how important it is that we must stay in our spirits. We must stay in our spirits to be alert so when God speaks a word to us, we can respond. How many times has the enemy pulled us into our flesh or we've yielded to our flesh and we've walked past situations where people need our help, where God wants to direct us to help people in their life, to speak a word unto them and we've missed it because we're out of our spirits. I went on that moment and that day and something transformed in my life. I felt the love of God saturate me for that child. And, yeah, it was an incredible moment and I learned a great revelation. The importance of standing in faith, of stirring ourselves up in the most holy faith, standing on the word of God, letting the Holy Spirit enlighten us to empower us and we give worship and praise unto God. Another example I see of this that I believe will be significant not only for your lives but for Kensington Temple and the body of Christ to advance and to fulfill all that Christ is giving it was I was in a revival meeting. I was in a revival meeting and we had a guest revivalist from America come over. And he was trained under, um, what was his name now? Um, I forget his name. He's a great old revivalist, a Shambach. 
Shambach. You know Shambach, yes. He was trained under Shambach. Great man of fire. And he came to our church. And my goodness, did he shake up church up. It was incredible what I saw happen in that service. What I observed is that he preached the word of God to us because we know that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. He was preaching the word to us, administering the word to us. And then on the other hand, maybe every five minutes, he'd get us all to stand on our feet. And he said, right, everyone now, pray in tongues. 30 seconds, pray in tongues. Everyone would come to our feet and we're stirring ourselves up in, in, in our spirit and we're praying in tongues. And then he'd start ministering the word again. He'd start preaching the word and he's stirring up our faith. And he'd say, right, jump to your feet. Now stir your, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. 30 seconds, pray in tongues. Before I knew it, it was as if as our faiths, faith was being built up, as our minds were being renewed, I was stirring ourselves up in our most holy spirit. Something struck in the congregation. Demons started to manifest. Deaf ears were being healed. People were slain in the spirit. People were running around the building Hysterical, the power and presence of God just saturated the place. It was like the whole church, not just individuals, but the whole church was lifted up to another level, to another dimension. Anybody who must have walked into that building must have thought, my goodness, what has gone in here? But the power of God was incredible. And what I learned to there, because I examined, what was he doing? Now I know. He was building us up in faith by declaring the word over us. And then he was stirring us up in our spirits. And as they both come to arise, and then as we give worship unto God, bang, something happens. Just like the prayer initially with Elijah. The fire, when it hits the heavens, came down and licked up the waters. But that's a place that we need to get ourselves to. Individually, but as a body. Amen? So that was incredible breakthrough for me, incredible revelation. But for me, this is where it all happens. For me, this is where it all happens. This is where we're positioned by faith anyway. But this is just an illustration to us of the obstacles that we face in our soul. So we get into the holies of holies, and this is where the real, real power begins. In the holies of holies, it's important to get ourselves into there because the spiritual man receives the hidden wisdom of God that the soulish man cannot receive. In here is the power and presence of God. In God's presence, we see what he wants us to see. We hear what he wants us to hear. And we know that what we pray, when we have faith, with full assurance when we pray it, it shall be done. In Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new living way, opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. 
This is where we live. This is where we pray in faith. And this is the place that prayer gets results when we're in the holy of holies. Excuse me. Now, we see that in this place, Joshua, he heard the voice from God when he was walking around the walls of Jericho, and he heard the strategy of what he needed to do. And we know the story, and the walls came tumbling down. So we need to hear the instructions of God. And in the Holy Holies, we can hear what he needs us to tell us to do. In the holies of holies, we see. We do not see as a natural man sees, but we see through the eyes of faith. We see through our inner man, through our spirit. And we know their story. I haven't got time to read it now. I'm running short of time. But Elijah and his servant, in 2 Kings 6.16, Elijah, you know the story. The armies came to attack him. His servant came and told him, the armies have come here to see us. But Elijah, being a man of the spirit, saw into the spiritual realm. Now the servant was just, didn't know. He only saw according to the natural. And then Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And he saw the chariots of fire and the angels encompassed all around. And that's who we've got as well. We've got ministering angels who operate on our behalf. We've got the word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got angels that will minister on our behalf. We anchor our soul to our spirits and we renew our minds to his truth. We stand in the holies of holies, full assurance and in full of faith. And we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the holy place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We are kings, we are lords, and we are a royal priesthood. We have the full authority in Christ to rule and reign in this place. We have full dominion. So let's pray and let's get our angels to work, to begin ministering for, ministering for us. We don't want lazy angels. We want healthy, lean angels that are working all the time. How many angels have we got around us all in this place who have just stood by waiting to respond to the word that you speak in faith so we can go about and begin to bring a pass all that you've prayed him to do? The Bible says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, you who do his word, heeding the voice of his word, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. They do his pleasure. They do your work. They're here to serve and minister for you. And Exodus 25, 22, there above the cover, between the two cherubim that are there over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all the commands for the Israelites. It's here that we receive the commands. And isn't it interesting, in the Ark of the Covenant itself, one of the things that's in there is the manna, is the bread. That supernatural bread. 
That is the supernatural word of God that we stand on when we pray and we pray in faith. So with this, we hear in that place we can see and in that place we can divide. We divide. We can divide all that is in your path by making a way for you ahead of you. With the presence of the ark, the waters of the river Jordan divided so the Israelites could cross on dry land. The ark of the covenant went ahead of Joshua and parted the river Jordan. Do you know the Holy Spirit, when we pray in faith, goes before us and parts everything in our path so you can walk on dry land, so you can walk into the promised land that God has predestined and promised for you. For assuredly I say to you, whosoever says unto this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt, but leaves in his heart that those things he says shall be done. He will have whatever he says. In faith, with the authority of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the shoe bread, with the lampstand, as we're giving glory to God in worship, we can speak those things into being. Those mountains will be removed and the seas will be departed before us. Amen? Amen. So what does this mean to us? I'm landing now. What does this mean? Well, as I see recently, Artie Kendall has been speaking about now is the time. And he's telling us to stay prepared. Staying prepared means staying in our spirits so we can hear, so that we can see, and so that we can come and do what God asks us to do. Colin, our senior minister, at the leaders' net during the week, spoke about a people who get out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat because he had a rhema revelation. He said, Lord, is that you? Call me unto you. And he said, yes, it's me. He knew it's the Lord. He was falling on his spirit and not on his unrenewed soul. And he stepped out of the boat. We need to be a people and we need to be a church that steps out of the boat. And the assurance we'll have to step out of the boat is when we live in the Holy of Holies. Being in God's presence, being in faith, this will bring us out of the boat. And most importantly, Colin's word of the year is breakthrough. When we stay in the Holy of Holies, when we renew our mind to the word, when we know our full assurance of who we are in Christ, with the Holy Spirit, the revealer of all truth, and the power, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then, truly, just like when I was in that revival meeting, we will be a unified church, each and every one of us in the Spirit, hearing and seeing and declaring, and we will come together as his body, united as an army, and we will fulfill all that he's called this church to fulfill. We truly shall have breakthrough. And now is the time for breakthrough. Amen? So have greater faith, church. See what God wants you to see. 
hear what he wants you to pray and have this power to speak it into being. You are the righteousness of Christ. You are stood on his word. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. We enter his courts through praise and thanksgiving and we live from the inside out. We live from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Holies, and we advance and we take this nation for Christ as warriors, as high priests, as kings and as lords, winning in every situation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are a people who earnestly desire and seek you. We are a church that takes your word, the bread of life to which we have life. We stand on your promises in faith. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, who is our helper, who is our comforter. We thank you individually that we'll raise up collectively as a unified body in power and in authority. We will be known as a church of faith. Kensington Temple will be known as a spirit-led church, living by the spirit, operating through the gifts of the spirit, taking territory, Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your power. May we raise up as men and as women of prayer. Every day, Lord, we shall meditate upon your word. And we shall declare and speak your truths into being every day. As we advance your kingdom, truly, Lord, you are the way the truth, and the life. Our minds are renewed to your truth. And we are the righteousness of you, Christ Jesus. And we have all full authority, power, rule, and reign in this place. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the victory. And thank you for the advancing of your kingdom in your mighty name. Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a round of applause. Hallelujah.